Welcome to the Reliance Community Podcast. Worship with us on Sunday mornings at 9 o'clock or 10.45 a.m. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. How many love you some Jesus today? Amen. Amen. Uh, if you're a visitor, welcome. It's good to uh, be with uh, you today. We call ourselves a family, and so by default, you're part of the family. If you're regular, it's always good to have you guys here. As I said a few moments ago, we're on day 8 of 21 of our prayer and fasting, and so I hope that you're going strong in that. Uh, If you missed last Sunday, it's not too late to join us out there in the lobby. There's a prayer and fasting table. You'll find a commitment card. You'll find some um, documents to kind of help, some guides and studies to kind of help you in this season. But just pick it up today. Just whatever it is that you want to pick up today and say, Lord, I know that I run to this for, for, for comfort. I know I run to this for reward. So I'm going to fast from that for the, for the next few days till the 26th, or you can extend it longer. And I'm just going to use this time just to soak into your presence. And so if you want to join us with this prayer and fasting, it's not too late. Um, there's stuff out there that you can grab and, and be a part of what God's doing in that. And our whole heart really is, is kind of, I, I like how Job sums it up. In Job chapter 42, verse 5, this is really what our desire is. Job says, I had only heard about you before, but now I have seen you with my own eyes. And so, like, we're praying and fasting so that it's not just that you've come to church to hear about God, but that you can say, you know, after this season of digging in, I'd only heard about you before, but now, Father, I've seen you with my own eyes. I've heard you with my own heart. I've heard you with my own ears. So this very like personal relationship, kind of taking it from just this corporate setting into an individual setting for you. And so um, excited about that. And and if you've fallen, I want to address those who've like messed up, right? Come on now. Yeah, a few of us, my hand's raised. If you've messed up, it's okay because we're not legalistic about it. Amen? It's not the letter of the law. It's the spirit of the law. So just pick back up and keep pressing in. So um, that's where we're at. I'll be honest with you, this has been a revealing thing for me. This, this fasting has been a revealing thing and a struggle in my heart um, that, that, that I didn't realize, I guess, that was there until I started this thing. P- part of my fast is a food thing, and then part of my fast is that I'm real bad about getting home late at night, and, and, and I just have like this idle TV watching. I'm not watching anything, but I'm flipping. Any, anybody know what I'm talking about? I just veg and I flip. Chris's like, what are you watching? Nothing, nothing. I'm not watching anything. She's like, well, then why are you sitting there? I don't know, because I'm enjoying it, right? And so I have this bad thing where just idle TV watching of just flipping. And so I really felt like I was supposed to give that up. So now when I get home at night and I'm sitting there and the house is quiet, I'm like, what do I do? And here's what I found myself doing. I found myself giving that comfort and reward up and just getting my phone and just going, Right? And, and I told Christy, I said, you need to hold me accountable, babe. I said, here, I see what my heart's doing. Like, I took one thing out that's reward and comfort, and I'm just finding something else to replace it with. And the whole point of fasting is that the one who's replacing that reward and that comfort that I've running to is Jesus. Amen? And so I, I'll just be honest with you. It, it has been really uh, uh, difficult for me because I'm, as I'm pressing in to the Lord and I'm seeing some movement of God in my life, I see that the enemy likes to sneak in, like Scripture says, like that roaming lion, to devour, to destroy, to kill, still, and destroy. And for me, and maybe for many of you, which we're going to address today, maybe the way that he's just simply sneaking in is through distraction. 
know, we've talked about this before a lot in here. Um, you, no matter where you go, you know, phones are, are ringing, dinging, donging, right? Whatever. Like, like there's just this constant distraction that's happening in, in, in our midst because of how connected we are with technology. And I was, um, we, we went to my niece's baptism last Sunday, my oldest brother, um, his oldest daughter, uh, Brooklyn, she was getting baptized. And it's a Mennonite church, pretty, pretty conservative, uh, great church, spirit-filled, but, you know, pretty conservative. And, and we were in there, and my son Tyson had been distracted on his phone. And so I took it from him, and I put it in my wife's sweater, right? And kind of right in the middle of, of, of this time where the pastor's speaking on baptism, it's a great word, you hear this, da-na-na, right? And the ESPN app came on. And so I kind of moved away from Christy. I'm like, that was her. Like, she, sports junkie, I don't know, you know, kind of. But this is what our life is. It's like constant dings and rings and da-na-na, da-na-na, right, to tell us that there's something going on that we need to check our phones or we, we've got to look at what it is. And so today, really what I wanted to do is I wanted to address distractions, and I wanted to talk about dwelling. We're in this season of fasting, and I, believe, I, was, I was all geared to talk about peace today, and I want to talk about the peace of God, but the Lord's like, man, be, before you talk about the peace, let's talk about the thing that's keeping you from peace. And it's distractions, and, and, and not dwelling. And so uh, in this season, I, I want to be intentional with this pursuit of you know, and, and all of us, I think, are with this pursuit of hearing, leaning into the Lord, and, and I really believe that the, simply, the, the, the simple truth is the enemy just wants to get us off with distraction. So um, uh, all that says, I, I feel like the idol or idols that we're contending with today is, is this God, little g, God of distraction. And uh, uh, I was thinking about this even with my kids. Um, part of the reason this is the idol that we contend with today is because we just have options and not, not just options, we have lots of options. Amen, church? We just have lots of options in which we can run to. The other day, Christy and I, we were so tired of the kids being inside watching TV. We were like, you know what? No more TV. Like, we're just, we're, we're shutting the TV off. You can't watch TV. And for like this moment, there was a little bit of quiet in the house. And then all of a sudden, we hear, we hear noise coming from one of their rooms, like commotion. And we go in there, and we open the door, and they're all gathered around their I, iPad, Right? Like, what are you doing? We just said no more TV. They go, well, you said no more TV, not iPads, right? Okay, no more TV, no more iPads. Like, we, we're tired of it, right? And so for just like a moment, there was no distraction. And a few minutes later, we hear kind of a commotion in another room, right? And we go in there, and they're all gathered around a phone. And I'm like, are you, like, we said. They said, you said no TV, no iPads. But you didn't say anything about phone. So like, no TV, no iPads, no phone, nothing electronic, right? And we're like, get outside and play. And they're like, we're bored. We don't have anything to do. And so th this is our life, this, this thing we're contending with, this God, little g, of distraction is ripping out this moment of just saying, we don't know what else to do with our life. And so we're distracted and we're just simply not dwelling in God, and, and that causes an issue. If, if, if we're trying to draw into a place of abiding and dwelling, as Jesus says in John 15, he gives this like riveting talk about our whole life is just supposed to be connected and in him, abiding and dwelling in him. 
like it's, it's, one of the, it's one of my favorite chapters. Dwelling, abiding in him, and, and we'll produce much fruit. Apart from him, we won't. And so if this is what we're called to do, then this life of distraction that comes in is, ruin, in my opinion, is ruining things that the Lord has called us to. Let me give you an example of this. I, we, we Talking about dwelling and not being distracted, I was having a conversation the other day. Uh, one of my mentors in life, a guy who pours into me, Carl Davis, um, he just challenges me in my faith. And he was talking about um, a guy named Evan Roberts who, who was part of the Welsh Revival. <clears throat> so I did a little bit of research on this guy named Evan, Evan Roberts. And in the 1900s, Evan Roberts, he was in his mid-20s, mid-20s. And he felt stirred in his heart to pray. So he began to pray, and he had a youth group of about 10 students or less. I think it was like six to eight, but less than 10 students. And they just, he was like so stirred in his heart. He's like, I'm not seeing movement, and I just, I want God to do something. And so he begins to pray, and as he began to pray with these students, God began to move for an entire year. They were seeing manifestations of God. They were seeing revival. Like when you think of revival, and, and sometimes we think of revival, we think of just being excited. No, I mean, they were seeing the things that some of you are going, that's cuckoo, Right? They were seeing God move in ways in which not only affected where they were from in that Welsh area, they were in th that, that revival impacted America because out of that revival of praying, then revival began to start in America with the Azusa Street Revival. And so, so not only was it in America, but in every corner of the earth, these, these six, eight, ten students with this young man in his 20s that was stirred and was tired of not seeing movement, they, they began to pray in their hearts. They began to believe and really dig in where their mandate was, God, we will stay here in prayer until you move. And because of that, revival didn't just break out on their continent, revival broke out on every continent. So you see what I'm saying? So if they were distracted by other things and prayer was just something that they did and, and it wasn't just this big of a deal, then who knows what we would have missed out on? <laughs> who, who knows what we would have missed out on? And so I'm like, man, Lord, if this is what happened then, and you can look, you can read about revivals all through the history uh, of, of America. You can read about revivals all through the history of the world. But I'm telling you something, like in my heart, I'm like, God's not done with that. I mean, it, it happened, it happened it probably in every century. I mean, I know it did. So God's not done with that. So I'm like, what if hundreds of people here, and I know it's happening at other churches as well, what if hundreds of people eliminated distraction for an entire year and we just said, God, 2020, nothing else. No distraction, nothing else, you know, but you. And let me uh, share, and we're going to get into scripture, I promise. Uh, but let me share why, why distractions are a big deal and, and maybe a real quick disclaimer on that. I know some of you are probably going, what's the big deal about this? Like there's a lot of things around us. What's the big deal? You know, the Bible says that there, a lot of these things are for our enjoyment, right? A lot of these things for, for, for our enjoyment. And I want you to hear me say yes and amen to that. You know, God, God gives us things for our enjoyment. Yes and amen. Awesome. He gives us things for our, our enjoyment. And, and so I want you to hear what I, I'm not, I'm not saying to you, move to a cabin, go off grid, churn butter, because Pastor Aaron said we can't go to the store, whatever. It's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying go off grid, you know, move to a cabin, move away, you know, do all those things. I am saying, though, this, be careful because distractions are there, 
and they have the opportunity to take the best of what you have first. They're there. So yes and amen, God gives us things for our enjoyments. Yes and amen. Be careful that the distraction doesn't take the best of what you have first. And God has already asked us to bring him our best first. Amen? Briefly touched on this last week. Briefly. Where all through scripture there's this first fruits offering that we give to the Lord. First fruits offering, first fruits offering. We give the best, the choice of what we have, who we are. We give that to the Lord. And we see this in Genesis 4, 3 through 7. Um, and, and it's this, this, this story of, of Cain and, and Abel built on this idea of bringing God, <coughs> excuse me, our best first. And he says this in Genesis 4, 3. When it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of, somebody say some of. Some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Abel also brought a gift, the best. Somebody say the best. The best portions of the firstborn lambs from his flock. The Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. This made Cain very angry, and he looked dejected. Why are you so angry, the Lord asked Cain. Why do you look so dejected? You will be accepted if you do what is right. But if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you. But you must subdue it and be its master. When I read that story, the first thing that I, I picture, and, and we know how that ended out for Cain, by the way. Cain killed his brother, right? Cain ended up killing his brother Abel, like, I'm so sick and tired of you, man. Right, and he killed him. And so, so, so here's how I see this thing playing out. Abel is collecting the best of what he has. God, you deserve the best of what I I'm not going to save the best for myself. I'm not going to save the best for any. A little bit of this, a little bit of uh, It doesn't matter. And, and Cain, and he accepts Cain's offering because he knows that that's the best of what Abel has. And he looks at Cain's and he says, I reject that because I know you just gathered some stuff together to come to me. And I'm looking at that with our time. And I'm going, Lord, sometimes I feel like with my time in particular, because of all the distractions that we have, or the treasures that we have, whatever, because of all of those things, sometimes I feel like we're just like, ah, man, I'm supposed to spend time with the Lord. I'll take a minute from here and a minute from here and a minute from here, and I'll, I'll put them together, and it'll look long. It'll look like a long time that we spent together. And we bring it to the Lord, and we're like, ah. Man, I'm just, I'm not, like, I'm trying to talk to you, God, I'm just not, I'm not hearing you. So then, you know, we walk away and we leave somewhat dejected, like angry, like, did you not know that I set, a, like, I set aside five minutes of my day and I'm a busy man, Lord, I'm a busy man. And the Lord's going, man, do you not know what it looks like to bring your best to me first? Your best to me first. And so I get that there's a, a lot of scriptures, um, a lot to this scripture, sorry, but, but I see uh, a portion that if we're not giving God our best first, <laughs> um, then sin is crouching at our door. Sin, sin is crouching at our door. And notice what it says, and it wants to what? Control you. And I'm not saying we should do this with Scripture, but I'm going to do this with Scripture for a moment. <laughs> what if it was distractions are crouching at your door? And your distractions want to what? Control you. You could look at this as a distraction in your life that simply wants to control you and pull you away from the main thing. 
So, so please hear me again. It's not that you can't enjoy your life and the things that the Lord gives you. Um, go and enjoy your stuff. Enjoy your stuff. Enjoy your stuff. Just make sure that you give your best first to the one who deserves it. Amen? Um, yeah. So let's move forward. One thing is needed. Everybody say one thing is needed. If you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 10, verse 38. It's a familiar story. It'll be up on the screen as well. It's the story of Mary and Martha. Um, I'm going to read it. Jesus is coming through these villages. <clears throat> he stops at Mary and Martha's house. Jesus and his disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem. They came to a certain village where a, a woman named Martha <clears throat> welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary, this is important, her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught, but Martha was distracted by her big dinner that she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, look, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while, I'll do, while, while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all of these details. There is one thing, everybody say one thing. There is one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it. Some scripture says Mary has discovered the good portion and it will not be taken away from her. Now, just scenario here, you just came out of the holidays. Maybe you're the one in the kitchen doing all the prep work and the cleanup and you're like, y'all get off your hind ends and get in here and help me. Anybody feel like that sometimes? Yeah, amen, yeah, yeah. Nudge whoever you're sitting by, right? And, and so there's books written about this, you know, having a, having a Mary's heart in a Martha world, you know, all these kinds of things. And, like, it's good. It's good. There, it, I mean, it's all good. It's a big deal. But, but, but Martha had a valid point, and Martha's valid point was that she invited Jesus in. Notice the one who was practicing hospitality was Martha. Martha's like, you should come in, Jesus. We, wanna, we, we want you to come in. And so she invited Jesus in in hospitality, but, but then she felt obligated to serve him. So it says that she was caught up and distracted with much serving. And Jesus, I want you to hear this, was not rebuking her desire to serve. Let's be clear on this. He was not buking her desire to serve. He was showing that there's a better portion to be had. That allowing distractions to overtake our dwelling with him is not his desire. And I wonder if in some ways we've taken this kind of context and we've allowed this and we've equated this in our own spiritual lives on how much we serve over how much we dwell. Like our spiritual lives somehow are so much better when we're serving and not so much better if we're dwelling. And I'm not saying that there's not balance in this, so please hear me. But here's what I'm saying. We've lifted up programs over prayer times. We have a 1,000 people that come to a block party and 30 that come to prayer. And so sitting at Jesus' feet, showed this readiness. Mary had a readiness in her heart. She was ready to receive the word. She was showing that she's submitting to him. Martha, on the other hand, listen to this, church, this is important. Martha, on the other hand, was providing for the entertainment of Jesus and those who came with him. 
And when I read that scripture in some comments, I just, the Lord like literally, he's, I feel like he spoke this into my heart. The difference in the houses of God where we gather, the difference in the houses of God will be, will be those who are entertaining for Jesus and those who are sitting at his feet. And so, so I, I want you to know who we are. <laughs> we want to sit at his feet. We want to serve faithfully. Don't, we want to practice hospitality. We want to enjoy the things of God. But first, we want to sit at his feet. He's our portion. Amen? He's our portion. So, um, so this kind of came to me uh, in Matthew 7, 22, like the scary, one of the scariest scripture verses, <laughs> in my opinion. Uh, it says, on judgment day, many will say, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name. Like, we're, we're doing things. We, we cast out demons in your name. We're doing things. And performed, we're performing many miracles in your name. But then the Lord says, but I will reply, I never knew you. I think that I never knew you maybe is the most important thing there. I never knew you served. You entertained for me, but you didn't know me. And this bothers me a bit because um, I've always looked at this scripture verse. I'm like, man, how do I avoid that, Lord? Like, how do I meet you face to face and don't say, Lord, I preached in your name. I discipled in your name. You know, we prayed in your name. Like, how do we uh, avoid that? And so if you look at the context of this scripture, though, here in Matthew 7, right above it and right below it, the scripture right above it is talking about the fact that we're like trees producing fruit, that our roots are grown down in the Lord. And when our roots are grown down in the Lord, we're going to produce fruit. And the one then that's right underneath it, it's like bookshelf in, in between. The one that's right underneath it is all about building your house on a solid foundation. So right above it, it's like grow your roots so that you produce fruit. And then right below it, it's like build on the right foundation. And then right in between those, and I really believe this for strategic of the Lord, is right in between those, he's basically saying, look, just because you're doing these things doesn't mean you know me. Build on me first. Build, build on me first. And so both of these indicating that what we're building or, or on or dwelling in or on is more important first. And so I think Jesus' words ring true for our lives today. We're, we're troubled, we're worried about many things, but one thing is needed, and, and he says, and Mary has chosen the good part. Sitting in his presence, <coughs> dwelling in him. And so I, I saw this quote, and I wrote it down. It says, do we know the richness of sitting in his presence? If, if you're a note taker, we just jot that down and just ponder on that this week. Do you know the richness of sitting in his presence? And so this, this, this is a thought to, to be, this Mary that we're reading about, Mary and Martha, this is thought to be the same Mary uh, who broke her alabaster jar. Do you guys remember that? Disciples and all these people are in the room with Jesus, and she comes running in, and she she breaks open this alabaster jar of perfume, and um, some record she 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 anointed Jesus's head, and everybody didn't say, "Oh, that was the most beautiful display of love." <laughs> Do you remember what they said? They're like, "How could you come in here? How could you take what you had, this alabaster jar of perfume, worth literally like your 401k? Drain your 401k, go buy some perfume or cologne, which is 
what I feel like it costs these days, right? Go, go buy it, and then you break it, and you pour it over Jesus' head. And if you remember, they were indignant because they said, oh, what we could have done with the money. You should have sold that. We could have used the money to, to serve the poor. You could have used the money to help. How could you waste it? It was worth so much. And Jesus rebukes those in the room and says, no, she's got it. She's given me her best first. She's got it. This is the same Mary. Sitting at the feet of Jesus, breaking jars of perfume. She, she saw what it really looked like to dwell in his presence. And so Jesus says, Mary has chosen the good part, and it will not, somebody say will not, be taken from her. Um, so, you know, some of us could argue, let me just argue this point for a minute. You could argue and say, wait a minute, though, we have lots of things that, that's needed. I mean, he says one thing is needed, but we've got, like, mortgages and bills to pay, and we've got this, we've got this, we've got this, and you could go through your whole slew of things that you've got. But I, I love what I read on, on this. It says, Jesus is saying there is one thing, one reality, and if you do this one thing well, it will set ten things in alignment rightly. But if you don't get this one thing right, if you don't, if you take it into a different direction, distractions and missing out, if you don't build on this one thing, then you're going to miss out. And then he goes on and he says this, if you don't build something internally, the external pressures and demands of life will crush you. Destruction by distraction is difficult to detect when it's happening because it doesn't involve bad things but good things that take the place of the most important things. And so just to kind of, well, I was going to say wrap up, but we're not wrapping up. Um, just to kind of keep going forward in that. I didn't want to lie to you. I'm trying to, you know, I'm turning over a new leaf in 2020, right? Uh, so in Mark 4, Jesus uses the words, and, and he really addresses this. He, he addresses this like, kind of detecting where we're not focused on the right thing, and because of that, like, it'll crush you, like, you'll, it'll destruct you. And so he dresses in Mark 4, but Jesus uses the words, it'll crowd out or it'll choke you. And he's talking about the seeds being scattered, and, and you can read that parable in Mark chapter 4, but he gets to the seeds that were scattered among the thorns. And listen to what he says in verse 18. The seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word, but all too quickly, the message is, somebody say, choked out. Somebody say crowded out, depending on what translation you have. Choked out, crowded out by the cares of this life. Some, some translations say the cares of this life. Some say the worries of this life. The lure of wealth, the desire for other things so that no fruit is produced. This is the battle. That the good seed that we need for fruitfulness and growth is what is being choked out by the cares <coughs> or by the worries of this life. It's being choked out, and because of that, I could look at it and say, the distractions of this life are choking it out. Paul says in Hebrews 12.1, he says, strip off every weight that slows you down. He says again in, in Galatians, uh, uh, Galatians chapter 5, verse 7, like, you were running a good race, who, maybe you could say what, stepped in on you and kept you from finishing. Like there's this constant thing or person or whatever, distraction. Look, distractions can be people. 
that come in and try to take you away from the most important thing. A.W. Tozer says that for many of us, our problem is that we feel too much at home in this world. But listen to what he says. We don't feel that holy homesickness. We're content with the forms and we're content with the forms and fashions of this world. Man, I underline that his holy homesickness. Like, yes and amen. Thank you, Lord, for this life. Man, I can't wait to be with you. And so we have to protect this. We have to protect this posture of dwelling. Because if we don't protect the posture of dwelling, then we'll just run to the posture of distraction. Real quickly, Mary says this, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her. (laughs) I feel like she sees Jesus as dad, right? Tell her to come and help me, right? And so this is kind of like the the ultimate ploy. Jesus, doesn't this seem unfair to you? And, and it might be, you know, for us in this moment, feeling that same way, like we feel like we're just carrying the weight of everything, and you got, you know, Joe Schmo over there who's just, you know, sitting the, at the feet of Jesus, and you're like, I feel like they don't do anything. They just pray all the time. <laughs> and so I think we have this in our own life of going, man, you know, if, if you loved people, Jesus says to love him and love people. If you loved people, you wouldn't spend so much time praying. You'd be out there doing, right? I hear these arguments all the time. And, and in fairness, there's a balance. I get it. Like, I'm, I, don't, I don't think we should spend 100 years um, just sitting, you know, on our knees praying and then feeling, like, stirred in our heart to go do something and go, no, Lord, I don't, like, I don't want that stirring. I'm just going to stay here. You know, like, we pray, the Lord stirs us, we move. Amen? Come back, we pray, the Lord stirs us, we move. And it's this kind of cyclical thing. And so there's a balance in that. But, but how I see this is, is really a protecting this is, Proverbs 4.23, Solomon gives some good words here. I'll tell you about Solomon here in a moment. Proverbs 4.23, guard your heart above all else. Let me say all else. For it determines the course of your life. Other translations say, because out of it flows the wellspring of life. Now here's what's ironic. Solomon writes this proverb, and then you know what Solomon's downfall was? Essentially, distractions. (laughs) Um, thousand wives, um, man, idols that he brought in to, to his life because of his wives, chasing after pleasures. Like this was Solomon's downfall in his life. And so here he's saying in 423, protect it, protect your heart, protect, prioritize your heart. Don't let the stuff come in and try and crowd it out. It's your life. I think he probably got a picture of Psalm 73, 26 that we read that says, My health may fail, my spirit may grow weak, but God remains the strength of my heart. He is my portion forever. It's my portion forever. Um, okay. You guys can come up, band. I want to close out with just this. Um, there's a story of the woman at the well. Just two, two quick things. Story of a woman at the well, she, she's coming to get a drink. Jesus, his whole point in his message was to go, look, you can drink from this well, but you're going to come back day after day after day after day. But I can give you water that will satisfy you forever. Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. He's talking about the well. 
in John 4, 13, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become a spring of water welling up for eternal life. You just say this years from now. Just did two funerals. Did a funeral on uh, Wednesday and I did a funeral on Saturday. Two funerals. And, you know, every time I do funerals, my own heart gets checked a little bit. Years from now, having a perfect house isn't going to matter. Years from now, that Netflix series that you binge on, Stranger Things, ridiculous. It's not going to matter. Whether or not you had a thousand likes on your social media post, it doesn't matter. Years from now, when all of those things are gone, when your phone becomes obsolete because they're going to learn, like, teleport us or something, right? When all those things don't matter anymore, we'll come to this realize, realization of what Jesus told Mary. One thing matters. One thing is worth it all. Mary has found it. We see it with Lot's wife. Genesis 19, God says, I'm taking out Sodom and Gomorrah, get out. Lot's running with his wife in hand. She's dragging her feet. Oh, but our stuff, our stuff. Oh, but our friends, our friends. God said, don't turn around. You turn around, you're turning the, what you're going to see is going to turn you into a pillar of salt. She was so distracted by what she was leaving behind. Lot's pressing forward to the Lord. Let's go. God is good. He's merciful. He's getting us out. Lot's wife, she's like, ah, I can't let go. Turn around, and we know the story. She turns into a pillar of salt. Story after story after story after story after story. We hear about this happening. So in this season of fasting and praying, I really feel like this distraction thing is a big deal. So what, what I'd like to do I want to pray over us today, and I'm going to ask you to take a challenge and stand up, okay, in just a moment. Um, If you remember when God brought the Israelites out of Egypt, he did it in a miraculous way. Yet in all the time that they were out of Egypt, he had to continually work on their heart for the habits, distractions that they had picked up. And, And I heard this quote, I loved it, it says that fasting allows the heart to be exposed And in that place of humility, when our heart is exposed, God begins to feed us. And I I heard Corey Russell say, God took Israel out of Egypt, but he had to lead them into the wilderness to take Egypt out of Israel. Miraculously took Israel out of Egypt, a million people marked across, you know, the, 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 the Red Sea, awesome. But they had to stay in the wilderness for years to get Egypt out of them. So this is just the start for us. We're saying, Father, we we want to be marked by a place that's, we're not just praying and fasting in January and then it's over. We want this to become our posture of who we are. We want to sit at your feet. Yes, we want to serve. 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 
But before that, we want to sit at your feet. Yes, we want to do things together in life and community and programs and things. Yes. But before that, we want to pray. So I'm going to ask you to take a challenge this morning. If you know, I'm standing, this is me. If you know that distractions have marked your life, but you're ready for the dwelling in Jesus to mark your life. This is where we participate together. We're going to come around, we're going to pray for you. So if you know that distractions have marked your life, but you're ready for the dwelling, and I'm not, this is not a guilt trip, I'm not saying, oh, if you sit down, you don't want the dwelling of God. That's not what I'm asking. But if you know, like right now, you're stirred, you're going, oh, I want this God more than anything else. I want you to stand up. We're going to come around you as a family and pray over you. If you know distractions have marked your life, you're ready for the dwelling. So we've got prayer teams. Prayer teams, can I just get you guys to move around? Prayer team, move around and lay hands on people. If you're near some people who are standing, would you just kind of put a hand on them? Put a hand on them if you're near people. If all of you are standing together, we just kind of put hands on each other. Let's just just pray. I'm gonna, and and we're, we're going to worship, but I'm asking our prayer team. They're going to move around. So they're going to pray over you, they're going to move. They're going to pray, they're going to move. They're going to pray, they're going to move. So stay standing. Let's just pray. Father, we love you and we're so encouraged by what it is that you desire to do. This is a move, God. Not reliance is a move. You are a move, God. You are a move and you're not done. So God, I'm asking, Father, we are asking as a people, Jesus, that our posture would would be broken of distractions, that our posture, God, would be broken of collecting other things and trying to bring you our leftovers, that our posture would bring you the best things first, and that our posture, God, would be a posture of dwelling in you, that, that you would be our portion, that we would set at the feet of Jesus. Yes, that serving and hospitality would be, would be things that mark us as well, but that we would come and sit at your feet before all things. Break distractions in the name of Jesus. Thanks for listening today. If you want to find out how to get involved, go to reliancecommunity.org.